everybody, welcome to the next episode of Mouth Box. And today I have a very special guest from Sunny Tel Aviv, my personal friend and uh, master from the I say Sunny Tel Aviv, really? I did, I guess. Uh, Chief Instructor of Lightning Combative, Master John Escudero. Master John, how are you doing? Hey, why? Hey, Ron, what's up? How are you? I'm good. Uh, we're, we're, we're all good here. Well, as good as can be here in uh, sunny Tel Aviv, where it's always sunny. Yeah, always sunny. Uh, Tel Aviv. Yeah, it's pretty much sunny. You know, it's like 80%, 18, probably even 85% of the year is sunny. Oh. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's great. They have great weather here and great falafel and great hummus. So, yeah. But, uh, you know, with the situation now, it's a little bit tight things because the we don't get the the usual socialization you know usually these uh these months the the past few months or the past few months in general this is like some of the busiest months for the country in terms of tourism because it's the summer uh you know and all that usually we have a lot of people in the beaches but what can we do so we see the beach on tv now that's that's pretty much it yeah, I actually got a, a VR VR visor to <laughs> to look at stuff sometimes. Oh man, man, don't don't do that to me because you know, last year I was in the states, and I had the choice, drone or VR. I bought the drone. Oh, <laughs> life choices, eh? first so, world problems. Yeah, so you know, for first world problems, really stupid. But you know, uh, now I can't. I haven't used the drone. It's like maybe I should have bought the goggles. Yeah, oh you, well, you still can order it. You can get it from China. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll see. The the if we get to one year getting stuck in here, I, I'll order. <laughs> I'll order the the goggles. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. I I, I put it on there. I just uh, go to YouTube and look for like a uh, Disneyland walkthrough, and it's an hour long. But I think it can last like ten minutes because I get giddy after that. Ah, okay. So I get okay. motion sickness, like a, like the. A... Ah. Well, I have three monitors in front of me. If I if I show you my, um, if I show you my wallpaper, oh, it is the beach on Punta del Este in uh, in Uruguay. Right. Oh, that's very nice. So, really so, very nice. Yeah. So so uh, that that was during my morning you know, morning walks. It's like you know you get up before breakfast around seven a.m. before the eight o'clock eight thirty breakfast. So it's a nice way to start the day because it's across the hotel and it's it's like Tel Aviv. You look at it, it looks like Tel Aviv Beach. Mm. Yeah. So it's yeah. a nice uh, way to start the morning with the water and the waves and you know. Yeah, so I see it virtually here on my desktop. Yeah, that's that's the best that's the best can do for now until you get the goggles, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I'm I'm glad I took all these panora- panoramic shots. Yeah, so so you're saying that this is in uh, Paraguay, is that correct? Uruguay. Oh, Uruguay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, I, have- I, I I did not know the difference either. You know. <laughs> you you were there you're there for a, a train teaching tour right was it correct seminar well no well not really it was a, a personal friend of mine who's a, who was a former student of mine 
here in Israel. He's an Israeli. And he travels a lot and moves his family with him because his, a lot of his work is, he, he can do it via, via the internet. So he does that and travels a lot. And uh, just one time he said, uh, well, you know, uh, I know you're going to be starting your yearly seminars and traveling and you're going to get busy and all that. Uh, if you've got a few weeks, uh, you know, if you don't mind coming down and spending maybe a week or so with me and my family, and then we'll train, and then we'll uh, we'll eat, we'll we'll go around, the, you know, the uh, Uruguay, and you know, if you have time, please, uh, please think about it. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds like a great idea because it's like you know, it was February, and it's like. Once the months, March, April kick in, I thought, I thought that things are going to get busy with my seminars, people coming in and me going out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. And uh, I was very lucky to be able to do that trip because as soon as I landed, all flights were shut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there we go. You know, that was that. So I'm looking at my last trip abroad. <laughs> it was nice that you managed to squeeze in a, a last trip in before the shutdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because actually, we were preparing for March in the Philippines. We were supposed to do uh, the a, a uh, homecoming uh, seminar in Palawan in the Philippines. We were supposed to be to do our Asia conference, where members from my uh, other clubs abroad. We're going to do an international conference and do our ranking and training and some testing and then join some other activities in the Philippines. But, you know, when, when I got back here, uh, we were informed by the local, uh, uh, by, by the local news that uh, all flights of, on our national carrier, Elal, was shut down. Nobody's flying out. <laughs> so that killed everything in March and April. So there we go. Yeah, we were put we into full lockdown. Yep, and now we're in October already. So hopefully, twenty twenty one will be a much better year. Yeah. So we're trying. We'll see. Yep. So so for our viewers, uh, Master John is actually the chief instructor for Lightning uh com- combatives. Is is it correct to say is is your your interpretation and your take on uh the traditional Lightning scientific anis? Yes. Yes. Well, because the way I look at it. Yeah, you know, we 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 do uh, still carry the traditional technology of lightning scientific arnis. Um, only the approach has been a little bit more different. Uh, we're, we're we're practicing a more non-canon, non-linear approach. Uh, you know how in a classical system or like traditional systems, like karate is one of the best ex- linear examples. Uh, you you progress straight. From, from maybe you start from uh, single stick to double stick or spadaidaga and you go through your weapon categories uh, until you like you shrink your weaponry until you get to empty hand and you work on the self-defense stuff, right? So this is pretty much one of... Uh, the, that, that's the linear process usually in, in lightning. Uh, but what we do is I've sort of separated the weapon categories because uh, we're representing we're ourselves more now as a weapon school. So think of it as we've I've separated the weapon um, the weapon disciplines into their own standalone categories, so that you can focus and concentrate 
on your weapon category, then you graduate from it and you know you can pick up a different weapon set and then a different weapon set. Uh, there's a, a across them, some of the basics are similar, uh, but you are not obligated, like you want to start doble baston. You don't, you're not obligated to, oh yeah, first you have to do single stick. You know, uh, or if you want to j jump into the lessons for Espada Idage, you're not obligated to do one thing before the other. You just have to make sure that your basic, basics are covered and then we can concentrate on the specific weapon categories. And then you finish it. That way, you know specifically what you're getting into. You know how in some FMA systems, um, you can start the class and then you don't know exactly how far you have to go. Hmm. You're, you're just trusting the teacher that you will get to where you want to go. You know, some will even show you a syllabus, but uh, you don't know the progression. How are you going to get there? How long will it take you to get there? How complete will each, how do we say, each part of the journey be? So in Lightning Combatives, what we're trying to do is that we're trying to make sure you know exactly what you know what you're opening, what can of whoop ass you're opening, <laughs> <laughs> right? And in that way, you 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 know how do we say this? You you know exactly just how much you need to do to get you know like Pokemon, you know how how to get them all. Yeah, yeah. very 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 interesting. Uh, just for our viewers who who may not know what we're talking about. So, uh, lightning, uh, scientific, and it's actually it's a Filipino martial arts. Uh, it's a in home. Uh, how should I say? Filipino martial arts is a, a generic term for many different styles of martial art found in the Philippines. Um, most of them consist of uh, stick and uh, weapon fighting, knives, sword, daggers. So, some of the terms we use, like double baston, is a double stick, uh, espada, daga, sword, and dagger, and uh, so. Uh, very interesting on what you say because I think this uh, conversation is not just being had. Have uh, I think uh, a lot of martial arts has this issue about linear and non-linear martial arts. For example, as you talk about Taekwondo or Karate or Judo, uh, Judo was really the first system that actually came out of a linear system because Professor Kano was mm -hmm. actually a sports science major in university, yeah. if I'm not wrong. Yes, so yes, he was the yes. first one that came out of the belt system. And uh, slowly we see that... Um, other systems started to adopt the color belt, the system, which I, I, I think is a very good thing. But somehow, uh, I think the struggle always is because when you codify a system, it, the good point is you give people, a, 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 as you say, a benchmark uh, on how, how many Pokemons you need to capture before you go to the next stage. But, uh, yeah, yeah. but sometimes, uh, the, the struggle always is uh, people tend to start rushing or starting using the, the the goals as a checkpoint instead of focusing on the basics which uh if yeah, you look yeah, yeah. at traditional martial art, people yeah. always struggle with that like for example you have a kung fu background and in the past that like, if you can't do for example horse stance for fixed amount of hours you can't you can't do the other stuff because those are too complex for you which which, which always yeah. struggle between linear and linear martial arts yeah yeah i i mean we can see that now like you know um the the, the best example example of the exchange are the mcdojos you know all those mcdojos out there where you know the kids are receiving black belts at what 15 13 Re really what is what are what, what are the parameters for that 
I mean, I'm not criticizing that, you know, maybe the kid really does exhibit those skills, you know, but I'm saying that more often than not, it's not the case. More often, you know, the, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a belt factory more often. So, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's doing a disservice to the system or the style or that particular martial art. Uh, now, that's why, how do we say this? Uh, it's good to see, you know, this kind of belt factory trend being challenged by the by mixed martial arts trends, because I mean, you know, the no belting, playing, testing, you know, actual bouts, actual fights, you know. So this this is these are great mnemonics. These are great parameters to check uh, instead of just chasing a belt. Yep, it's a very interesting concept. I remember when I first uh, started Lightning Anis uh, with uh, Guru Vicente. Big shout out to him. Uh, yeah, he he always say to to he always encourages us to 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 try out or a term you just use to play and uh, something which you don't. Again, when you talk about very traditional martial art, the term play or the concept of play, where it's actually to test it out, it's not done so much anymore. Already, which I I feel is quite oh, sad. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, the focus has been to memorize, um, to, you know, people start uh, memorizing drill sets, memorizing kata, memorizing movements. That, that's, that's become the trend. And then you do a test, how, how well did you memorize it? And then you get promoted. Uh, that's become the trend, sadly. Instead of, okay, so can you do it? <laughs> Let, let's put on your gear. Let's play. Let's see. Can you pull it off? Right? That, 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 was, the, that was the old way. Right, I, you know, and uh, sadly, people don't uh, take as much advantage of it nowadays. Considering the gear has gotten much better, mm. you know, this is where we can go. In my day, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's where that happens. You know, the whole. Uh, and this is not even my day. This is like, you know, a generation ahead of us, where you know they were playing without 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 gear. You know, it was all about control. You know, if they can snipe you from a distance, make the contact, but not seriously hurt you, but get give you the feeling that oh shit, he got me right. This is this is this is old school. Or you you know you make a mistake, you pay for it, you learn not to do it again. This is the old school, and sadly, people. I guess it could also be the cost because good good gear is expensive. That's the problem with um, weapon martial arts when the gear cannot support the intensity of training. Um, I've seen some, I've seen two, for the past, what, two years, three years, there's this company in Australia experimenting with all that protective gear with sensors on it and you can see it on the computer screen scoring where it's hitting, how hard it's hitting. Uh, somebody came up with some gear uh, and the thing about it that level of gear is expensive so you know you have that as a high high le highest level what can we do grassroots level home level like you know I mean I have gear that I can use personally but also that's another thing uh, the investment the personal investment in the gear so that you can actually play this is the um, this is one of those economic or financial personal investments. <laughs> um, I mean, you do the same in your MMA, 
Uh, you need to buy the you need to buy gloves. You need to buy the mouthpiece. You need to buy the the growing cup. You know, some you, you can't play without the boxing. You can't play without the helmet. So, like I'm saying, there's that personal investment if you want to really play and go forward. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's strange. Yeah, but you, as you said, the 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 technology now is a lot better, but the the barrier to entry is actually much lower now. But yet, uh, somehow it seems uh, people are not not all, but generally speaking, you don't see a lot of people very passionate about a lot of this thing anymore. I don't know, maybe just me. Um, it's well, a well, well, from but from what I've seen, a lot of people have become more voyeuristic. I guess it could be because uh, all these little screens <laughs> in your head. <laughs> People have become, uh, you know, with, with the tablets and the cell phones and all of that, tablets and whatever. So people have become more, how do we say this? Uh, content to be spectators. But you know, I, I could be wrong also because I, I I know people who because they've seen videos and stuff, they decided to try it out. So maybe maybe it's offset by that. I, I really don't know. Yeah, it's hard to know the statistics now because I, I feel that statistics are skewed. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. Uh, statistics always depend on who asked the questions. So and what sort of question you ask. I I think um I'm I'm just glad there's some, uh, how should I say, maybe like a, a a slight renaissance of the Filipino martial art, maybe partly in thanks to you know guys like um, Doug Makaida being on Forge in Fire, you know, all these have generated a bit more awareness, bringing it back into the scene again. I think yeah, that's more, a big factor. Yeah, he he's uh he's uh, him being on Forge in Fire is a uh, has has really helped generate more awareness again. Uh, I, I, I do find it quite sad because a lot of times like, people don't, don't want to train the old masters anymore and, and there's not many much of them left. Uh, they always want to go for, for the fastest, the newest, the most innovative, which is not bad, but there's a reason why the old masters came out and it's always very nice to pick their brain. But as you say, people now, they, they want to seem cool. They want to learn. A lot of times, like I, 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 okay, for example, I don't like it when people shit on kata. I think there's a time and place for kata. It's over-reliance on kata is bad and no understanding on kata is bad also. People need to find the balance. Like I used When I was much younger, I actually started Aikido then I went over Filipino martial art because I always thought that Aikido didn't work for me. It's too passive. You know, I wanted something street savvy. But after going full circle, I, I, I would say all martial art is beautiful in its own way. You need to, you need to separate the art from the combat. So, there are arts that's very nice in an artistic form. You learn for the love of the art, like painting, but certain art. See, now you're sounding like Uncle Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had this, this same exact conversation with you many years ago, talking about how, how Aikido didn't work about martial art. But now I, I really do see value as, again, if time permitting, I always would like to go back to Aikido. And uh, I think for, I, I finally able to separate, separate the, the, the art of martial art and the martial of martial art. It took me. Yeah, a- yeah, I, 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 I agree. And again, you know, this is, it's that's when people start talking shit. You know, uh, I give them the benefit of the doubt because maybe they're still at that point of their journey, and you know, they don't have anything to. 
compare it to. They're still in this age where they want to prove everything. They want And, you know, that passes. <laughs> that passes. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying some of the most calm and how do we say this? Uh, well-adjusted people, you know, uh, martial artists that I've met, you know, are some, you know, with really, really good fight experience. Really, you know, and we're not, I'm just not, I'm not talking just ring experience. People have to be in fights beyond the civilian. Right? So, you know, they, they've, it's just that they've already passed that point in their life and they're chill. You know, so the, uh, like what I'm saying, you know, how do we say this? Uh, the, 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 the point of view of the person really mat, uh, depends on where they are in their lives right, at that point in time. I, I remember being very arrogant. And maybe, I'm, maybe, maybe I still am. But you know, I was more biased and more arrogant and more hot-headed. You know, if we go 10 years ago, 20 years ago, man, the trouble my ma- I get into with my mouth. Right, so I'm just saying, uh, I maybe maybe it's age talking, or maybe maybe I'm I've learned to filter. You know what I say nowadays, and sometimes you just don't have to say it. <laughs> yeah, I I I I mean, I also feel as as uh, we grow older, we tend to really pick our battles and choose our hue to die on, and 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 there's no no reason why we should win a rhetorical, rhetorical war but lose everything else instead. Again, like yeah. fight, fighting people is, is like going through a rhetorical battle for 10 minutes. That's 10 minutes of your life and never getting back. You could have been, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have been doing something yeah. else. But I still do see people fighting for the sake of uh, fighting and principle uh, on, the, on oh, social yeah, media yeah. and stuff that, like that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's, uh, right nowadays, I think people are really just venting. I mean, today, nowadays, everything is just very frustrating and some people just need an outlet. So, chill. <laughs> we'll just chill. Yeah, to each his own, eh? So, yeah. so, actually, I always wanted to ask your background. Uh, you, you started with uh, uh, Kung Fu, uh, Iron, Iron Palm, if I'm not wrongly. Well, 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 well I used to... Yeah, well, okay. So, I, I don't count my, my any training or experience that is before my university days. Mostly because, can, I mean, you know, unless you were really training for like regional team, national team at those ages, like, you know, early years, like 7 to 13, 7 to 14, unless you're training seriously, it's really hard to count it. It's mostly just like playing. Yeah? It's like playing tag, right? So, uh, so my background is mostly... Uh, that I focused on, uh, I, I started the Wushu Club in the University of the Philippines. And that was mostly because uh, my, my teacher, my Sifu, he was already promoting Wushu in the PE classes. And, you know, so, you know, I joined the PE classes. And then he said that, okay, you know, we're also training on a different time, you know, different place, you know, in the park, we're doing this. And I said, that's great. You know, I'd love to continue, you know, this, this, this training in uh, Wushu. So I started attending in the park. Right. And 
little by little we 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 were growing you know uh getting more people from the university who were more interested and he said you know john my dream and this is my this is my seafood dream seafood benito ku he said my dream is to train somebody and eventually he becomes a uh wushu player in the asian games and that he gets gold he said he, that's what he told me and I'm, i told him sifu i think i'm too old for that <laughs> <laughs> but you know if we start the club in the university and anchor it there maybe we can start something we can get people interested and you know he told me yeah you know a club is a good idea you know so we organized ourselves you know i i started getting lists of people okay then we started a list of like minded meet people and then we started recruiting in the university got it recognized by university and then people we do presentations in the pe class the pe class with some of them would come and, uh, so we had something going we were able to even uh train alongside the other martial arts clubs there was the aikido club you know the 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 community the martial arts community community in the university was very tight and very small so you we pretty much knew each other and okay so we started that club together and it wasn't that same year of course you know but over the years uh eventually we actually you know we he, that that club actually produced one person who got gold at uh, at the Southeast Asian Games that was held in the Philippines Peter Marquina that's his name and he got gold it uh, i i think he got it in the Nanchuan, the the southern fist category i think he got gold medal there so i'm just happy that something that we started was able to accomplish the dream of my sifu so uh my my background and you know we were pretty much training whatever you know all the categories for uh for for wushu and i just don't look good doing long sword i don't look good doing all the nanchen all the northern jumping stuff so uh eventually i gravitated to broadsword and so you know we we played around all the categories within the wushu requirements and also some of the how do we say this more popular stuff like you know the drunken styles <laughs> and then the mantis styles for you know eating chips uh the crane style to pick up and you know <laughs> all of that and the tiger for scratching your back so we you know we did that stuff so uh that was uh, unfortunately i i i how do you say this? i was uh already at the point where i was not <laughs> i was not i was over age <laughs> to be competing <laughs> so uh, you know i was still training but i took more of a side role but the more fun stuff we did were during the new year's lion dances those were great because we you know we 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 we'd be training actually every december actually we, in anticipation for chinese new year that's when december training begins 
you're like uh, for two months you're there with your horse dance and then okay what are the set pieces to do for the lion dance so uh, that was pretty much my 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 kung fu experience that was the kung fu life then until there we go our niece comes in philippine stick fighting comes into the picture so that uh, that marked a turning point in my focus. Uh, like I told you that the clubs in the university are very tight-knit and, you know, you see each other. You have an idea what you all do, but because you're not, you're also doing your own training, you're not really focused in looking at what they're doing. Like, we could see the Aikido group, but, you know, since we're not focused on them, all we see when we're looking at from a distance is, oh, they're jumping, rolling, and then they're throwing each other. That's cool. And then, oh, there's the Arnis group. Oh, they're hitting each other with sticks. But we never really like sat down and observed until we got invited to one of these uh, uh, university parades. There was, a, there was a university parade that they invited the different martial arts clubs to do, demonst uh, to do demonstrations and presentations in front of the major colleges in the university. So, hey, okay, so we have brought the... Well, you know, we brought the Wushu Club with us. And then when I saw the Arnis Club do their demonstration, I'm like, what, what the hell? Why don't I know that? You know, because it was totally different. You know, I, I guess this is where the national, the patriotism and nationalism comes in. It's like, okay, I've been training so long in Wushu. And mostly for me, my connection with that was because of my dad. But then again, you know, I'm, you know, Filipino, I don't know the Filipino martial arts. So it's like, that was a big question. It's like, why don't I know it? And then normally, uh, I mean, not that I don't know that it exists. It's just that I was never truly impressed with it whenever I saw it in the malls. I'd see the, con the competitions. I'd see some demonstrations. It didn't really impress me in terms of, you know, if when they were doing their form of kata, which we call anyo or sayao, uh, or when they're doing uh, their stick fighting, which sometimes you can't, you can't figure out who's winning. It's like just two chickens. And, you know, I don't get it, right? Until I saw this particular group in the university and I'm like, that looks good. That looks, that looks, that looks logical. That looks what it would look like on the street. How come that's not what I see in the mall? How come that's not what I, you know, you know, what, what they're always presenting on, the, uh, on TV, you know? All, that looked doable, right? So I'm like, ah, okay, here we go. I, 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 need to, I need to learn this. So that's how, <laughs> that's how that came about, entering into the world from just wushu and into uh Filipino martial arts. Now, when I say, you know, okay, so I went to Wushu, Filipino martial arts, but in between that, you know, there are boxing gyms in the Philippines. So, you know, on the off season, do a little boxing, do a little Muay Thai. So that's where uh, I, what I did to try to round out my experience in, in martial arts in general. You know, it's like, 
it wasn't enough to just see one side. You know, you know how um, you want to, you need to polish the other windows to see through it. So that's what I tried to do. Right, right. Very interesting story. Was, was that a demonstration done by the, the Lightning scientific team in UP or...? Actually, that was the that was, that was the club. That was the university club, uh, that was uh, founded by uh, um, uh, Guru Elmer Ibanez. Uh, that was Les Casas. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that was the group he founded there, and well, that's where we went. Yeah, and then from there, well, how do we say this? Because uh, at that point, uh, after that, uh, I think within a year or two of that time. I think that's the time he moved abroad. He moved to the United States. Yeah, that was when uh, Grandmaster Benjamin Mangben came back to teach, or came over to teach at the university. Was that correct? Well, that's a funny story because we did, uh, one, we didn't really know that he was available. <laughs> we didn't know. Uh, we, we were, how do we say this? We were pretty much content to be independent as a university club uh, and as the instructors in the university club, we pretty much already, um, how do we say this? We're, it's, it's, I guess it's independent and autonomous of each other, right? But, you know, one of our members, one of these other instructors, you know, while teaching a PE class in one of the, the uh, sports centers, near the university, like, you know, we have little cities connected to each other. So we're in Diliman, and then there's Marikina. When he was teaching his, his PE class in the sports center, he saw some people doing Arnis, and, and it looked very familiar to what we do. And so he asked them, hey, so who's teaching here? And the, the guy he asked uh, told him, well, the grandmaster comes here, and you know which. Okay, so who who is the who is this grandmaster? Oh, Mang Ben comes here on the weekend, and that was where like when he came back and event and, and informed the the group. You know, Mang Ben is teaching in Marikina on the weekends, and we're like, why don't we know about this? Right, you know, we've been on our own since. For, for X years, I think four years or maybe five years, we've been on our own uh, we, without a chief instructor teaching actively for X years. And, you know, Mang Ben is right there. That's like 20 minutes away. 20, 10 without traffic. <laughs> so it's like, why, why aren't we going to him? So that's where the group in the university started training over there you know so when and then when that happened uh we became regulars on the weekends training with mang ben you know it it, it was uh how do we, it was actually great to 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 how do we say have to to rediscover the roots again you know and then he asked us oh you're you're uh, you're Elmer's guys from the university. I said yes, yeah, yes, sir. We we are, and so okay. Pick up some sticks. Let's show me. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> there. 
So that was it. So that was the sort of, we got reunited with that. Because we had a few years where, you know, being autonomous and on our own, it was, I guess, a good learning curve to some degree. But I know, for me personally, I, I did not feel yet that I have reached the end of my learning. You know, I, I, was, uh, I, I felt like an assistant instructor already from the role that I was uh, given in the university. You know, like sharing training, helping the newbies, blah, blah, blah. And all of that, you 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 sort of, I guess you know you're also getting older. So, but uh, it was nice again to be to become a student again, again so, under somebody who knows what he's doing, right? So that that's that was great. Now he came back to us in the university because there was one day the city was holding its. Uh, how do we say this? It's a city, citywide intramurals, you know, city sports fest. And they were in the, they were in the sports complex. So we couldn't train there. So we kind of like, is it okay? How, how would you like to train um, in our training area, in, the, in the, the gym, in the university? Nobody's there at this hour. And, you know, Mang Ben said, oh, let's, okay. Subukan, let's try. And you know, that's what we did. We well, we, we brought him to our area, to our to the to the training hall. And first thing he sees is he sees the mats. <laughs> he says, Maganda to. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because so he's, uh, he said, you know back gone, right? Yeah, yeah. So he, I mean, he he, tra- he he trained at the uh, he he trained at the Kodokan for some time. So you know he knows what it's like to be thrown around and how what it is to throw people around. So you know he saw it and said, "Okay, after the training day, next week we're here." <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jack. <laughs> So we got blamed. We, we, we got blamed for stealing the Grandmaster. <laughs> that instead of going back to the training complex or the sports complex, he started wanting to train at the university. Okay. So some people got mad at us because of that. We just told them, dudes, that's not our fault. <laughs> he wants to train here. Uh, we did, you know, he likes the mats. Yeah. So yeah, that was a big major change with with us in the university, and then that's when, uh, how do you say this? Our training become more became more, I don't know, more. Uh, we were able to get into it a lot more because there was more direction. Right. Right. Understand. Yeah, because uh, I. I... I mean, I, I do some freelance coaching for Muay Thai. I teach in a gym and have some private class. But even even now, I don't really see myself as a coach. I just see more like sharing of information. I, I still uh, still see my, my original teacher as the, the real teacher. I'm just only sharing what he's told me. And in many much, I don't really feel equipped to teach Muay Thai. So, so I do understand that, um, that uh, being a teacher helps you to open your mind in one way so that wherever that mistake you used to do you, you see like oh actually I used to do that and now I understand why it doesn't work oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But going back <laughs> yeah. to see the old the, the old masters, the teachers, for them to correct you, it opens up another aspect because it's really very nice to be a, a student again. It's also the humility. It's an exercise also in humility. This is one thing because of all of these, you know, the, you, you see how some of the major uh, fighters, you know, whenever they, they show up in front of each other, all this posturing, posturing, I understand you need to put up a good show and all of that. But, um, you know, what, start, what I'm starting to see disappear is humility. It's it's uh, it's weird for me to talk about this, you know, <laughs> humility. I'm what I've been I've been uh, how do you say accused of being one of the most arrogant people around. <laughs> <laughs> but like what I'm saying, you know, a lot of humility has been lost because of a lot of the posturing and a lot of you know, and some and that's a great experience to have a teacher who knows what you're doing, he's doing, and you can just shut up. And just listen. That's uh, you know, and learn. Uh, that's pretty much that. Instead of uh, hijacking the moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say something that's uh gonna be controversial, but uh, anyway. Uh-huh. So, so I mean, I started martial arts since uh 2000, so it's like 20 years doing martial. Arts. Not a very long time. Uh, I've been around the circuit, not a lot, but I've seen a few. And I always have this comment that I share with people that when you are outsider looking in, you see on when when martial artists are on a pedestal, not a lot of time they talk about uh, humility, respect, and love, you know, martial arts to improve yourself. But I yeah. always say that actually black belts are the most insecure people in the whole wide world. Everybody's a pissing contest when you get a black belt. Like who's the best black belt in the world? And they talk bad about each other. Like, but like in any aspect of life, always talking bad about each other. No humility. Our system is the best because we use this. No, our system is the best because we do that and they don't do this. So it's always yeah. constant fighting. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much like when in the Filipino martial arts when people get their master's rank or start getting called guru. That's when, you know, the egos come out. And it's like, oh, you know, I, I'm a, you can't correct me anymore. I'm a master now. Oh. Yeah. I can't be wrong because I'm a master now. It's like, oh, God. Yeah, I, actually, and, that's a very good segue to the next question because uh, if you look, look uh, traditionally, Filipino martial really, uh, for lack of a better term, like what Bruce Lee said, keep what works and uh, discard what doesn't. So Filipino yeah. martial actually was always been very vocal about keeping current and being uh, adopting new technologies but do yeah. you feel that it also has reached a stage right now where where a lot more of the older systems are not so open anymore and you have uh, newer systems like for example your uh, lightning combatives or even as I say uh, Makaida because he has so many videos of really adopting different concepts and mindset and or at least they are proponing, uh-huh. uh, proponing a lot of new concepts do you see it like that? Well, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Because from what, what I'm seeing is, um, how do we say this? A lot of the old systems have, all, have a lot to offer in terms of understanding the roots, understanding the 
the source of the motion, the root of the motion, the reasons behind some white white certain techniques exist. Uh, why did it grow? Why did it develop? And all of that, like the environment it it grew up in, the uh, the the effects of a, a particular instructor on the system, things like that. So uh, that's what I I can see the traditional arts really have to offer a, a way to look back and understand what are the original source codes, what are the original environments that they developed in. A lot of the younger, newer processes are mostly ways to find relevance of these already existing methodologies, techniques, technology, blah, 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 in our time. Because how do we say it's where I grew up in the city. So I, you know, I'm never going to find the same environment as a martial arts style or a system that was developed in the mountains. I'm not going to have that kind of connection because I, I or like a style that was uh, developed in the like they say in the palayan or in the rice fields or fighting in the rice fields or fighting in the forest. I grew up in the city, so how am you know how am I going to uh, get a connection to this martial art when I don't understand the environment because you know I don't feel it. I'd have to go to the mountain maybe to get the feeling of how it was there in that place, you know. But mostly, a lot of the misunderstanding is happening when people are on their journey along these uh, struggles to find uh, to 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 find their um, uh, the relevant their the relevance in their time. Um, also, when it comes to the weaponry, you know, like for example, one of the it, I still remember the time. When we talked about the most badass, uh, badass knife on the planet, people either brought out the Balisong or the Rambo Bowie knife. <laughs> These were the two most badass knives on the planet when you talk about knife fighting and all that. Now, Karambit. And not even that, it's also the folder. Before, if it was going to be a folding knife, it would probably be a still one of the, the Italian stiletto, right? So I'm saying, oh, this is uh, this is old man talk. Where you you can see the trends, you can see the effect of the trends on the on the population. I mean, the movies are the best reflection of popular culture. And that's what you see in the movies now. That's what you see in the TV series now. You know, for crying out loud, even Lucifer, the TV series, you know, has a demon wielding double karambit. Really? <laughs> right? I'm saying, uh, um, even in the first season of, uh, I think, uh, it's, it's not, was it Avengers? No, it's not Avengers. It's that... Uh, um, ooh, I was. What's it? The the, the agents, the 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 the, the they're, yeah, the Marvel. It's Marvel. It's a agents of oh, Shield. Yeah, Shield. There you go. Agents of Shield. The, that TV series. Come on, in the first was it Agents? Ah, sorry, my mistake. It's uh Arrow. In the first season of Arrow, the villain 
was using a karambit and throwing it like a boomerang. <laughs> okay, so I'm saying this is popular culture. You know, so this is these 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 are reflections of uh, the interpretation of the of the society of what they're seeing in our in our martial arts. Um, you're seeing Neta and I were talking, you know, about uh, how come it's so popular for in a lot of movies for the female heroines to do a leg lock on the neck to jump up in the air do some sort of spin get the head in the lock and then do a choke it's almost 9 out of 10 movies you will see that's the killer move it's you know and of course it's jujitsu right so i'm saying you know we we the, the trends are getting reflected so with that as a backdrop this is how our martial arts are getting seen nowadays uh what's popular is the struggle to find what is relevant in our time. Uh, ever since the uh, folders starting out, and then the karambit came out, and then now karambit folders are coming out. <laughs> right? So I'm saying the, 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 this is a reflection of that mindset where things are shifting. You know, uh, it's not that we're doing away with the old. But we're trying. We're struggling, and it's not always a pleasant struggle because uh, some of the oldies will not understand what we're doing, and some of they think, "Well, what you're doing is stupid." But then again, they're also thinking from their old context. I'm here in the, you know, they're, they're in the mountains or the countryside, not in the not the cities. So, you know, they're not exposed to the same environment that we're growing up now, like. I don't want, you know, it's illegal to carry a full-size knife. <laughs> yeah, I, I already carry my, my machete every second Friday. You see? Unless you're in Texas where you can carry a full-size sword walking around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> move to Texas. <laughs> right? So I'm saying, you know, you can't. So suddenly people are gravitating to, I need a folding knife. Right? Balisong is so grandpa. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's go to something else. Oh, that folder, you know. Oh, that karambi thing, you know. It's got that knife with the ring. That's cool. So, this is the how do we say this? Um, how, how it's moving into the, the future? The transition. The, yeah, it's sort of we're in a transition. I mean, there's all it's always some sort of transition. The sad part is not enough of the like you said you know you know the experiences of the old people it's it's sad to lose these experiences to to not have them on record because you know they, they could be learning points if not uh, a good counterpoint to how we are thinking now from how they were thinking then uh nowadays for systems to to grow and survive, people are more. We have a term here in Israel. We call it nudnik. Uh, when they are more picky about what they're going to learn, you know, and they people like to pick and choose nowadays. So if you're old school and you just you're you're teaching for your own personal experience and practice, you're not trying to grow a school and all of that. 
then you can pretty much teach whatever and then uh, go uh, to hell with what people want to learn and you teach what you want to teach right now if you're trying to pro uh, promote a system promote a style uh, grow an organization it's not that you make compromises but you need to be a re re be realistic with the market yeah you know what are you, who are what are you teaching to who and why and you have to find uh, some sort of balance between uh your conscience <laughs> because one for example myself i want to teach i want to teach properly i want to teach correct i want to teach authentically i think that's the best word i want to teach authentically to my students but at the same time you need to be responsive to the times like sometimes i will have sim series instead of saying oh i'm going to teach you karambit and say, but you don't do silat you know because silat is a karambit, uh, a karambit is a silat weapon it, we're going to use the we're going to use the karambit in serada in lightning we're going to use the principles of serada we are just like like good neighbors we're going to beg borrow and steal it from our neighbor <laughs> so things like that where it's about uh, how how do you live with yourself with what you're teaching mm, yeah it's a uh, to 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 build on your point you say using the karambit in serada you only can do that if you have a very good understanding of the basics of serada which uh again it, as you say people are very nitpicky now very fast paced everything has yeah, to yeah. be fast 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 for example when i teach class uh, nothing pains me more when i see especially muay thai like sometimes a student can't can't grasp the concept of uh, the body mechanics of a kick or, or after learning for yeah. many years they still struggle with the kick because uh, when i was learning I, I didn't put as much thought into it and uh, i wasn't I wouldn't say that I'm good at Muay Thai, but my body's never cut out. I'm not very tall. I'm not lanky. I'm not a striker's build. So I always struggle with it. And especially now when I teach, I always try to break it down and to give people um, easy to understand concepts so they can learn and uh, focus on the body mechanics or how to throw a kick effectively. But again, it pains me when people don't want to put any time and emphasis into learning the basics. So when you try to tell them that, they'll, they'll give you a look like, what, what do you know? Like this is how I've been doing all the while. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's, that's the reality of it now uh, that uh, some people suffer from too much information. Sometimes it's better to not have any information at all and then, you know, you learn everything from the beginning because really, there's just way too much. There's way too much out there. Like sometimes some people will come to me and say, oh, uh, uh, but I saw this, I, I saw Doug Markaida do this technique. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. <laughs> I, I've seen that video too. Um, yeah, but that's not what we're doing. You can't support that technique right now with your position, your stance, your movement. You're not going to be, you're putting yourself in danger. I'm telling them, because you're, you're looking at, you're looking at it from your point of view where you're looking at uh, situation ABC, but I'm looking at everything else where your situation is on top of. And that's where the experience come in. Now, again, we go back to the word, we go back to humility where, you know, I'm not trying to put you down or I'm not trying to put the student down, but, you know, I'm just saying, you came into the class to learn. So, you know, learn first. <laughs> right? So uh, I understand where you're coming. It's just that, you know, 
there are just some people who are just really talented out there that, how do we say, they pick it up so quick. They see it, they do it really quick. You know, and you can be lucky, but I have more respect for those who actually work. Put in the work. I, I was not one of the I was not one of the best students or one of the best fighters. No, you know, I struggled a lot. <laughs> Whatever I do, wherever I am right now with what I'm doing, that was an uphill battle. Yeah. You know, so, uh, that, yeah. The 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 fallacy and uh, not fallacy the 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 two means lesson that student needs to understand is one. Uh, don't make the exception the rule. So whenever you see somebody doing very well or pick up very fast, those are mostly yeah. the exception. So don't use them as example. And number exactly. two, uh, don't see the end point because uh, when you see somebody doing it very well, you need to understand that they put in lots and lots of hours just to get there. So you must be willing to put in the work. A lot of times like, people say, like, how do I get there the fastest? No, no, no. It's not how you get there the fastest. It's how you, you learn the most to be able to get there. It's not about getting there fast. Yeah, it's just that there's a lot of this uh, Dunning-Kruger going around. Are you familiar with this? No, no. The, the Dunning-Kruger principle. Because there were two psychologists, Dunning and Kruger, not Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> right? So they, did their, they did some studies. Uh, just to, to shorten that, uh, the, 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 uh, to, to shorten it, um, the... They, they found out that there's a relationship between uh, ignorance and, how do we say this? Uh, not really, something like too much information. You know how some people cannot know that they're doing st stupid things because they're too stupid to notice. They, they do not have the understanding to notice that they're doing something wrong. But, and because of that, that level of uh, ignorance, they insist they are right. Mm. They, are, they are not able to, um, how do you say, notice. They're not able to uh, comprehend that they are not right. So there is, there is that, there's a lot of that going on. You know, I mean, we can see that uh, we, we can apply this example in, you know, a lot of, um, in a lot of doobie responses. You know, when you see noobs arguing on the internet, for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, my, my favorite response always, uh, oh, uh, we don't compete because our art is too dangerous to compete. <laughs> we do the yeah, street yeah, style. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's. <laughs> There's no uh, rules in our style, so we all, all, you can't you can't put us in a rule system. Oh yeah, there's there's one guy who you know it's like yeah my style's too dangerous. I don't I don't spar, I kill. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's just the first thing that jumps into my man. What's what's your lawyer's name? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I need a lawyer like that. If all you do is kill. So I, it's insane. There's a lot of this going around. A lot that uh, it's it's how do we say this? It's ego out of control. There's a lot of that. Uh, have you seen the recent uh, and like I mean in the past few years of all these videos in China with MMA beating up the Chinese kung fu master? Oh, I love that video. I know that <laughs> I know what your video you're talking about. I'm, I've I'm seen very mixed. Those videos. I'm very mixed because on one hand. Uh, 
it shows it, uh, it's a it's a uh, first class lesson in humility and not don't don't write don't write checks to your your ass cannot yeah, cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the other side, I mean, like I think the approach can be a bit softer. You know, like maybe this is the old man's talking. Yeah. Like you don't win, you, to win in chess, you need to kill the king. You don't need to wipe out the whole board. So sometimes, like maybe just kill the king is enough. You don't don't destroy the person. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, now, okay, one reason, okay, here's the funny thing, okay, because we're, I'm doing Filipino martial arts, but like I told you earlier, I have a wushu background, so, and it's not just the competitive wushu because my teacher also taught other traditional stuff, right? So, I know where he's coming from, this, uh, this MMA guy, I know where he's coming from, where he wants to challenge you know, all of the preconceived beliefs about all this Kung Fu, right? Uh, and I, but also coming from a Kung Fu background, you know, I understand the lines that he had to cross <laughs> and that he crossed <laughs> when he did that fight or when he did those fights, the lines that he crossed in terms of he did not give his opponent room to say, uh, a chance to save face. <laughs> Um, uh, he totally embarrassed his opponent instead of you know, but uh, instead of giving him a chance to retain some honor, I understand both sides. But may, uh, maybe it was how do we say this uh, again? Because I read several different articles that well, I guess he found himself pushed to the limit with with the. Uh, with uh, the, the, that exact situation because from what I heard uh, from what I read it's not just that you know they agreed to fight each other but the trash talk happened <laughs> and you know and like you said you know don't don't say things that your ass can't catch uh, can't cash so it went beyond the the honorable and okay. So you know, it, when push comes to shove, you know, I I guess he felt that he he needed this opportunity because again MMA was being really talked bad about that uh, you know it's that it's nothing that it's useless blah 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 and this coming from other from traditional martial arts when we're talking about it i thought traditional martial arts are supposed to be a little bit more chill and accepting and stuff like that uh, you know, so i'm just saying yeah uh it, it's just sad it had it turned out that way that it went, I guess, that far. But it's a, it's a, it should be a wake-up call. It should be a wake-up. Because for sure, there are traditional fighters who will kick ass. There are, you know, I mean, I mean we, can, we can search. Uh, there, there are some of these also online, you know, fighters in these competitive arenas doing. You can see them using traditional techniques. I mean, let's go back to the UFC, which is the most popular. I mean, you can see Lyoto Machida. Right, doing old school karate. So I'm saying, there we go. Right, uh, there's one guy also pulling off. Uh, okay, flashy capoeira moves in an MMA fight. Some guy doing wing. Oh, I forgot his name. Doing wing chun, inserting wing chun elbows. 
uh, in an MMA fight. So I'm saying, you know, uh, it's it's in the end, it's really how the fighter is able to make things effective for him. Uh, a fighter prepares for the fight that's going to happen. That that's the way I look at it. Uh, I don't see why the fighter has to be separate from the martial artist. This is this is. Uh, this this black and white mentality which I don't get because I, I guess maybe this is the the kung fu background kicking in where you know yin and yang so there's a little bit of this a little bit of that and you're not always this 100% of the time you're like changing in phases going around in circles you know so okay you know you you, you prepare for the fight you train you be specific you you prep your repertoire. You study your fight. And this is where boxers are great when they prepare for fights. You know, they don't just like train in general. They study their opponent. Right? And then they, 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 then they, then they tweak their training for that opponent. That's great. That's how this, that's effective. You know, you can't just say, oh, you know, I will just stick to my kata. And then this kata I will do will work for all of my opponents. Uh, that that's too that is too how do we say this for me it's too absolutist you know so uh, you know it's where as a as a human being we need to be adaptable to the situation and when you're training for life then that's where the generalist comes in yeah, okay uh, i need to uh, i haven't been i've been fighting mostly on the ground so i need to maybe now work on my punches and kicks so this is the cycle, the, the the life cycle of training. You know, it, it's not just uh, training for this one specific fight. Yeah, and, oh. and you know, the martial is if we take away the, the the sports part, actually, really is helping you to train for for life. Actually, I think the the philosophy sometimes it's a Okay, I, I love MMA. Uh, I, I think it's uh, wonderful. It's a great sport to watch. Uh, nice to participate in, but sometimes the philosophy part of uh, the traditional art is lost in MMA. It, it, it doesn't exist anymore because that the good part about keeping what works is, is uh, you're always evolving, but the bad part sometimes is, I would say at times philosophy doesn't have any grounding in MMA. They, they, there's no space for it. They, they don't see any value in it. But not, not everything can be measured in um, physical improvement but sometimes yeah. the oh. mental and the spiritual, the, the, the concepts are equally as important as, as the, yeah. the physical improvement. What, what, what I'm, it's, it depends on how you look at it. If you're looking at it as in the light terms of life cycle, because like the life cycle of MMA is like you're looking at each match. You're preparing like a boxer. You're preparing for each match and all that. And this thing where um, uh, you keep, uh, keep what's effective, you have to remember that if you're always fighting in the same weight class and weight category, you're fighting pretty much the same type of parameters. If you were fighting a weight up or a weight down, then your parameters change. So keep what works. What works in your current weight class might not work against the higher weight class or the lower weight class. Like they might be so big and frigging strong that you you know they they'll wipe they'll wipe the they'll wipe the ground with you on the mat, or you go 
down and where they're so frigging fast. <laughs> right? So, like I'm saying, keep what works is relative. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, suddenly you need to expand. Okay, so uh, the keep what works, I need to have a bigger arsenal. And then you need the philosophy to unite, uh, to, to connect that. And then if you're only going from fight to fight, uh, that's just the microcosm of your life cycle because what do you do when you're not fighting? Because do you still consider yourself a fighter when you're not fighting? Because for some, the next transition would be a coach or a, like what you're doing. You're, 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 you're uh, assisting, you're guiding some people. So like what I'm saying, you know, some lessons you learn in the, uh, you know, on the mat can be applicable when you're coaching people and you're guiding people. And then, you know, you don't live in the ring all the time. So, you know, you're going to, if you bash your problems with the headbutt every day uh, on the mat, then you'll, you'll do the same. Uh, how do I know this? I was, I, like I told you, I was a hothead. My car got towed because <laughs> I, le- I left the car in uh, o- overtime by half an hour where it was parked. When I came down, the tow guys were already lifting the car. My first reaction was to pull out my baton and threaten them. Not, not right? That's because that was the way my mind was working. I was living in that mindset of, you know, uh, I get into a situation that I, I, I get aggressive, I'll pull out the weapon. Not thinking straight, <laughs> right? So this is how you treat your problems in the ring, you know, will be the same way you treat your other problems, right? So uh, this, this is where maybe, you know, it, this is where it needs to be tempered. The, this fighting spirit needs to be tempered by, you know, compassion, humility. Uh, in, in the long, maybe this is old man talk, but, you know, this is where you have to realize you're, if, when you're, when, if your identity is just that you're a fighter all the time, who are you when you aren't fighting? And uh, for me, this changed more when I became a dad. Hmm. You know, it's like, wait a minute. I can't be fighter all the time. I'm a little girl. <laughs> so... You know, you need to start seeing yourself now. Okay. Uh, I can use my fighting to protect her. But you're not fighting all the time. <laughs> so, okay. Hungry. I can't fight to feed her. <laughs> right? Fight somebody. You cook, feed her, or I'll fight you. I can't do that. Right? This is where I'm saying... Uh, the, the, this is where... The, the 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 human aspect gets forgotten and a lot you know it, it's not one it's also not interesting to show on television it's not interesting it does you know these are the parts that will not make people pay the bucks to watch the fights so it doesn't get seen nobody knows about things like this all people see are all the hype and all the fights 
and you know because that was always being seen and promoted then people start to think that that's that's it that's all of it yeah and that's the sad part uh you know that that's why it, uh, it, it's in, it would be interesting to look at the life of fighters after they've retired yeah it's a, it's know, like, a very sad life actually most of them yeah damage the damage you take the damage you carry with you yeah, like if you look in a context of like Thailand, most of the fight are only a very top one percent that still can continue fighting, or or maybe yeah. they become they run a gym, but yeah. most of them, uh, a lot of them actually get cheated by their gyms for their purse. A lot of them uh, yeah. go back to the village, have nothing. Some of them stay and become like cab drivers or whatever. They just uh, fit to nothing yeah. again. So so that's. Again, fighters are not the best businessmen and they don't really plan for the future. So a lot of them ended up where they started with nothing. And yeah, that's, 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 that's a sad reality. That's a sad reality of it. And, and you brought a very good point. I, I, like, like you, I have two kids and uh, I, I also see uh, the effects of consequence now. Uh, it's strange that when you go out on the street, I mean, I have a temper too. I'm, I'm sure you have one too. Uh, I, I try my best to suppress it or keep it back but you, you notice that people say and do things without the concept of consequences you know they, I mean like what as I look back now to my, my somewhat younger days where, where uh, Guru Vicente used to tell me like hey chill a bit <laughs> like he used yeah, to tell yeah. me like you need to calm down relax it's fine it's fine let them be let them be like, now I start yeah. to see because like in my mind I, I have this internal voice you know recently like somebody disrespected me it's like why do you want to do that? Do you really want me to 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 lay the smack down on you? Then in the other side of my <laughs> mind, I say, ah, I think I prefer to go back and see my kids. I forget this. I just walk away. Right, right, yeah. So it, it, it's it's you know it, it goes back to what is most important. What is important in life? <laughs> are we going to get the Conan answer, right? You know, or or are we going to just sit back and really think you know what is important to you what, what do you what, what do you want to wake up to what do you want to go home to you know like I, I, okay I enjoy I enjoy doing my seminars abroad I enjoy the traveling meeting people sharing lightning scientific artists I love doing it you know and sometimes my longest trip abroad was like three weeks you know that's a long time to be away from your family even with even with Skype, even with all this video chatting and all of that, even, you know, we're lucky. We have excellent, we have really good internet nowadays. <laughs> but pre-internet days, come on, man. What? So I'm just saying that even, uh, even with all of this technology, it cannot replace. It cannot replace the feeling that when you get home, the first hugs, first kisses you get when you get home. So... It, it it goes back to what 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 is important in life, right? My kids' kisses, my kids' hugs, my wife's uh, hugs, my my wife's kisses. This is what's important in life, my family. So now, with that as a backdrop and environment for everything you're doing, right? It sort of has this uh, effect to make you a little bit more centered. <laughs> the the ego. Uh, the, the the ego is no longer about being the toughest guy, you know. 
uh, we, we, how do we say this? Uh, how do we say, we, it's ideal to say that we will all transcend that as we age, but because I know a lot of old, old hotheads out there, <laughs> still hot until now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, again, we are a product of our experiences. So, you know, I mean, I know some old hotheads out there, they're, they're, because they do not feel the same, how do you say, they don't have the same feeling about what they could lose. Right? So, uh, that, that's the same thing I tell my guys when we're teaching, okay, when we study knife lessons, when we work the knife. Um, one of the questions I ask, are you, before we start the lessons, like, are you serious about that you really want to learn how to use this thing because you know if you were to actually use this can you actually put this blade on somebody and draw blood you know why do you want to learn this because this you know this is potentially this is this is assault with a deadly weapon you know like some people will come to me and say this can be controversial because i'm saying you know it's like no i know when i teach knife work it's not self-defense no, because I'm trying to defend myself against the attack. Yeah, you're fighting back. You're fighting back against the attacker. Why do you have a frigging knife in the first place? Now, you're, you're training how to use a deadly weapon. That's assault. You know, you must have a... a you, now, I'm not going to judge your reason. You know, I'm not going to judge it. But you need to ask yourself, you know, why your reasons behind it. Because you have to make peace with it. Because this is not something that... You know, in panic in a situation, you actually use it, you cut somebody, and then PTSD, <laughs> regrets. I shouldn't have cut him, or you cut him more than you should have. You hit something you were not intending to. You had an, there was an accident, and the, 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 the threat, let's say you, the, the guy died. You did not intend it because you thought you were, doing, you were protecting, you were defending yourself. Like, is this a is this something you can live with? So, you know, I tell them okay, these are reality checks. You know, you you can't just say um, how do we call this? No, you know that that an automatic response. That I'm I'm learning the knife so that I can defend myself. That's too simplistic. Mm. Uh, the the baggage at the end of that, if you don't ask the next questions. You could be paying for those uh, with your entire life. Like, you know, I don't want to teach my guys to go to jail. <laughs> you know? So, again, as a, as a teacher, that's partly the responsibility, especially teaching, you know, sword work, knife work, even, even, uh, even stick work. When, you know, when you change the weaponry, you, you, if, a, if the stick gets substituted for a lead pipe or a tactical baton, then, you know, the the responsibility after changes you know it's it, it, sometimes it's not just uh, anymore uh, like a simple altercation no that's assault assault and battery <laughs> yeah right some somebody once asked me like oh how do you defend yourself stuff like that i say well, for me, if I could run, I'll run. They say, why do you do that? Why don't you want to defend yourself? Then I will say, let me give you an example. Uh, let's say somebody says something bad about me. Then I say, I say the same thing bad about the person. Then person say, you want to take it outside? Sure. Uh, we didn't start a fight. I accidentally pushed the guy. He tripped before. He hit his head on the curb. And then he goes into a coma. Then there's assault. Then let's give him a week's time. And he passed away. 
suddenly from a simple push, now I'm being charged for manslaughter. I say, I could have just ran yeah. away and just go home and, have, and do whatever I want to do. So it's, it's defending yeah. uh, 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 yourself valid anymore? Where, where do you draw the line? Where, do you know where to draw the line? Do you let your ego take over? That's the question. Yeah, that, 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 those are very good questions. That's why whenever we do stuff like this, it's like we, we, we always factor in is it a life or death situation? Is it life and death or is it ego? If it's just ego, there you go. Yeah, ego, go home. <laughs> right? But if it's life or death, then you know that's where the preparedness has to kick in and i always tell my guys that because and sometimes i feel like i'm a broken record because there's always this either the beginning or at the end of the class i will always are you sure you want to learn how to do this because this again is assault you know you i'm not going to say that you defend yourself you can say you never say self-defense you say you defend you say that you did this in self-defense that's premeditated training to inflict bodily harm <laughs> if you because you came into the situation with premeditated intent and i'm saying if it's life or death you know, and I'm not going to. You know, this is where I say you you don't just don't don't uh, don't even don't even attempt to really logic uh, use logic to reason out. Get a lawyer, <laughs> because again, uh, you're uh, the, the, the uh, passionate responses like this, where you're saying that no, I did it in self-defense and all of that. You know, it's good. It's only good. If the environment, the exact situation, and the law is on your side, and all of it, like the moons and stars, align perfectly, good for you. Because likely, you know, somebody, uh, likely Murphy will be involved somehow, and you'll get fucked over, <laughs> even if you win. Right? So, uh, like I'm saying, you know, the movie is just, you know, the, the movie is just really, how do we say this, exaggerate a lot of things. They, they exaggerate a lot of uh, the 1% the, the lucky scenarios because they make good stories. It's just that people st start thinking that that's the norm. And, uh, you know, you can't live like, you cannot live life like that. Well, uh, on that note, <laughs> we, I guess we ended on uh, two positive. One is uh, to cherish your families and uh, to always consider the consequences. So uh, bef uh, before we end, do you have anything you want to plug, Master John? Or do you want anything you want to share or to shout out? Well, uh, you know, uh, right now, uh, well, you know, I'll just... Hi to my family, Neta and my kid, Rain, and you know, I'll, I'll show them the podcast when it's on. And to my guys, uh, you know, the, my, my, my Lightning Combatants organization, because uh, we are represented, of course, we're represented in Israel. Let me pull up my, uh, my notes because, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, too many hits on the head. <laughs> That's what I say all the time. 
Yeah, yeah. So two minutes on that. But my the lightning my lightning combat is organization is represented, of course, here in Israel. This is our headquarters. But we have organization clubs in the Philippines, the United States, several places in the United States. We have Virginia, which is DC. Uh, we have Houston, Texas, and Dallas, Texas. Uh, we have uh, also in Seattle, and then also also part of North America. We have uh, Canada. And then we have actually South America, we have Costa Rica. Okay, and then we have United Kingdom, Australia, Singapore, you guys, because you we 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 you know we've been in connection with you guys for so long. <laughs> right? And uh, Hong Kong, Vietnam, and South Korea. So uh, shout out to my to the heads of the organizations there. And you know. Uh, COVID willing, we'll see each other again because <laughs> we were supposed to do this this year in our, uh, in, in our it was going to be our first national, first international conference so Risked see you 2022 Okay, on that note, uh, thank you very much for your time and let's do this again when uh the world stopped burning, I guess, <laughs> to, to catch up and see how we're doing again. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm around. So hit me up anytime. Okay, uh, do, do stay online after, I, uh, after we end. Uh, we can chat some more. Okay, uh, thanks everybody okay. for your time and uh, we'll see you guys very soon. Bye, everybody.